0: Pro Se, Law360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Bill Donahue. Hello, hello. And Alex Lawson. Hey, guys. So today, we're going to have a show that is just us hosts talking about the thing that everyone seems to be talking about, the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, it's everywhere. Before we get into that very serious subject, I wanted to to note that this weekend is daylight savings time. I always forget this and hate it. Uh, I got... You know, as one would, I I thought about that today and I was like, I wonder if anybody has ever filed a lawsuit over daylight savings time. So it turns out a lot of people sue over like wage and hour stuff, like all sorts of employment lawsuits have happened. But so when daylight savings first rolled out in like at the end of the First World War, people you could opt into it or opt out of it. And people were so up in arms that um, Connecticut, I guess, passed a law that made it illegal to observe daylight savings time in the state of Connecticut. Um, well, some, like, this like, is a state that's famous for steaming their hamburgers, so uh, <laughs> take that what you will. Uh, but, so the law banned, quote, willful display of any, uh, in any public building, street, avenue, or public highway of any time-measuring instrument or device, which is calculated or intended to furnish time to the general public, set or running so as to indicate any other than the standard time.
2: <laughs> I remember. I remember, like many years ago, I for some reason discovered that I think it's the House Energy and Commerce Committee has jurisdiction over time and time-related laws. I love that. That's amazing. And, but like, it's on their website. It's like and and over like a list of things they have jurisdiction over and time. <laughs>
0: How is that not worked into some sci-fi movie script? I've... I feel like. Some time travel movie. There was that, that movie. There was that, that movie
2: with it. Justin Timberlake called In Time, sure, where time that. was currency. Sure. Yeah. That was a little yeah, like, like was, you had, you had time units that extended sure. uh-huh. your
1: life. Can't think of anything else though. We can mine that later. I, uh, I will say before we get out, before we get to the, the rest of the show, uh, that law that that law was challenged in court. Oh, okay, and in 1923, it was upheld. By oh the Connecticut oh. states Does that
0: mean it's still? No, a I mean, law? I,
1: Connecticut observes daylight savings time. This is the the extent of my research. Sure. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've reached the end of that. Let's not. They currently observe it. So at some point, it came off the books. Who could <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, but let's get to the show. Uh, I think that people, it would be helpful if we, before we get to talking about sort of. The legal ramification, like the, the legal industry ramifications for with, with everything with coronavirus. I think if we could just sort of set down some, you know, how we've gotten to this point. Everyone, it's sort of in the ether, but, you know, um, if I think we should lay down some of the facts of, yeah. of what's going on.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lay out some of the facts. And then a little later on, um, Natalie Rodriguez, one of our great uh, coworkers and um, a show host in her own right for the yes. term, she's going to come on and tell us about... Uh, what the long-term impacts could be on the legal industry. So give us a little outlook. But first, got to talk about what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, So I think most people know this, but it was in late December that news started coming out of China about a novel virus. Um, And it seemed, at first, like it might actually just stay contained to that country. They took Mm -hmm. a lot of measures to keep it in China, and that worked for a time – But here we are a few months later, and there have been about 95,000 coronavirus cases all over the world and more than 3,000 deaths. I also want to say right here that those numbers were accurate when I looked them up, but guys, it's taking out all yeah. the time. Yeah. So yeah. all of the numbers I think we'll talk about today are just to give everybody listening sort of a sense of what's going on, but I think they continue to grow yeah. Um, yeah. just yeah. by the hour. Check yeah. with
2: the CDC and the and the World Health Organization yeah. and all that. Yes. So
0: it did start in China, but there have been other countries that have been really hard hit. South Korea, Iran, and Italy are among the other places where the pandemic has really mm-hmm. taken hold. It took a while before we started seeing cases in the U.S., but we have them now. We've seen um, over 150 patients treated in 16 states so far. 11 people have died, um, most of those in Washington state.
2: And we just this week um, or was it last week Uh, we got there was there was news basically that there was there was a new case in New York and it uh, sort of hit squarely within the within the legal uh, uh, community.
0: Yeah, we have an actual attorney who um, works at a small firm here in Manhattan. The firm is called Lewis and Garbuzz. He's the second person in the city diagnosed with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But it's the first case of what they call um, community spread. Yeah. And just so everybody understands what that means, that's when they can't trace the transmission back to travel to an affected area or to another known patient. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just come from a business trip to South Korea. Yeah. And you don't have somebody in your family or whatever that has contracted the disease. So um, this firm is small. It has only six attorneys and a paralegal. And as of now, they've all undergone testing to see if if any of them have contracted it from the attorney. But the attorney's family definitely got it. Um, so did a friend of this lawyer and that man's entire family. So you can see how it spreads really yeah. quickly. Yeah. In total so far, nine people have been infected in connection to this one attorney. In oh, Manhattan. wow. Yeah. Um, that has led to some downstream impact, too. So... Uh, Bronx High School, where the attorney's daughter goes to school, was closed. Yeshiva University, where his son is an undergrad, also canceled classes. And then we had a law school that got in and on this canceling um, blitz. It's New York Law School. They closed their campus because a student. Uh, reported that they'd come into contact with mm-hmm. this attorney. And so the students in self-quarantine, which I think is uh, often the protocol these days when yeah. someone's come into contact that they want to monitor and, and, and see what's happening. But the law school decided to take the step of shutting down classes and disinfecting that whole campus. And then just today on Thursday, we had one more development about uh, New York and coronavirus and the legal system. There's a money laundering trial in Manhattan federal court that was halted when uh, a member of the jury pool revealed that they had potentially been exposed. So out of an abundance of caution, they um, uh, the judge ordered the jurors to be sent off to lunch and the whole courtroom was cleaned as a precautionary measure. I think this is just um, the canary in the coal mine of instances like this. Yeah. We're going to see more and more.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's whether you work in the legal industry and you're seeing something like that with the court or, you know, we were all talking about it coming in today that, you know, you see things on the subway, you see people wearing masks. It's it's sort of everywhere right now. Um, so a big part of what we're going to talk about today, you know, Amber just sort of laid us, got us up to, to, to this point. But a big part of what we're going to talk about is, um, you know, how the legal industry is reacting to this stuff, how they, you know, how if you work at a big law firm, you work... Um, you work in the courts, how sort of this, um, you know, the, that world is 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 tackling all this. And, um, you know, some of this stuff is sort of, you know, how employers generally are. I mean, we came in this morning and there's signs on our elevators yeah. at work about how to, um, you know, uh, best practices. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, many of the biggest, most powerful
2: law firms that we cover at the company and talk about on the show – Necessarily involve large groups of people all right. going into one place and right. sharing sure. airspace and all of that. Well, yeah. so
1: okay, so so I think the, the we can break these down into some buckets, and then Alex is going to go into some of what the specific firms yeah. are doing. Um, but I mean, the biggest one that that I think many people who work in uh, sort of the corporate world have dealt with is is travel restrictions, and obviously, um, you know, not just one big thing is is travel to china travel to italy travel to um other countries that have been hard hit but also we've seen restrictions on just how attorneys are traveling around the country um And, you know, if the situation worsens, I think uh, a unique aspect of this for the legal industry is that, you know, you have a, if you're, if you work at a fortune 500 company and you're going and you have a meeting with someone, everyone will understand if you're calling off that meeting. If you have a, if you have a court date, it's a very different thing where you have to, you know, fly to another place. So, um, uh, I think, you know, one, one big thing with that is that um, you know the, the big firms will obviously be able to handle that a little better if, yeah. if you have a diff- if you have you know if you're a 25 office firm and you have folks sure. in different places you can deal with that a little better but um, uh, the 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 courts are, are responding and trying to yeah. um, you know to accommodate that so it's it's a challenge but hopefully the courts are are stepping up and trying to make it a little easier I Kara um, uh, uh who wrote one of our stories about about some of this um, uh, spoke to folks at the at the federal court system who, um, you know, told her that they have uh, processes in place and that they're um, taking steps to fix some of these things we just talked about—a trial being, uh, yeah. you know, halted briefly—but um, that you know they're trying to keep people further separated and keeping, you know, yeah, because allowing... there's
0: close quarters in courtrooms often as well.
1: Yeah, and doing you know sort of relaxing some of the uh, the the teleconferencing rules for depositions and for all sorts of different things that you. Might have to otherwise be yeah. up close for. Um, the other thing that that, that you know you, you're seeing is that firms are um, sort of we <laughs> we've all talked about it. The idea of if this gets any worse, that would will people have to start working working from home? Um, uh, and and. One thing that that uh, you know that that makes that difficult is whether or not your organization has really thought about how to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: it seems on some level that the year is twenty twenty and many people work remotely yeah. in all sorts of contexts, but not on the scale we would be talking about here. It's usually like separate situations yeah. for particular employees or one-off things. It's rarely that you would say like, Everyone go home. And yeah. again,
1: and again, distinguishing the um, the the legal business from some other ones. You know, there is a level of sensitivity of security with client documents. There's ethical rules, sure. right? Um, things that raise additional headaches about uh, remote working that law firms need to take into account, and whether that's you know. Complicated technical things like making sure that there are VPN licenses and, you know, e-discovery access for everyone. But but even simple stuff like, you know, making sure that, um, you know, attorneys can be very smart, but they can be very, uh, you know, uh, you know, not not tech tech adept so yeah, you know yeah. making sure that your people who even if they even if they are very smart people otherwise you know have that sort of instruction about how to do all this stuff if they have to be at home for an a link up to it from a remote server right. or anything yeah, like and that the, and
0: yeah. the time for that is now before it gets worse so so a lot of law firms are sort of Putting together committees to think about this kind of stuff and figure out what they would do.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's sort of tying everything together. That's the, the, what Amber just hit on is sort of the big thing, right? That, you know, making sure that, that the firms have, have these things thought about in advance and let people know. Um, uh, it's, it's, again, it's a, it is an industry that is um, sort of uniquely. Client focused. We talk sure. about this a lot um, in terms of the demands that are put on um, lawyers at, at at top law firms. But um, but you know, it's really important to not have. Disruptions to not seem like this came out of nowhere for you. Your job is to answer these difficult questions for people,
0: and you're getting these questions from your clients about yeah. how they're supposed to do it. So you should have a good plan in place for your own team of people. Yeah, right.
2: well, and the and it's it's not always so simple to say. I've I, I've been doing a little bit of reporting just on the on the trade law because that has a big has yeah. a lot of implications here uh, this week. And it was just, uh, if if uh, if there's a firm that has. As clients in China, which many of the firms that I often talk to do, they have said, well, yeah, we're taking steps. We're not really traveling to China right now. But it's just it, it's not always so easy to just do those meetings remotely because it's like four o'clock in the morning in oh, China. Sure. You know, it's like we when we go over there, we're on the same clock and we're getting acquainted and sitting down with these people. This requires a whole other bit of reorganizing well, and it, stuff like that.
1: And I think that's it. Right. That um, it's it, some of this stuff seems like it should be easy to do. And so people don't take those steps. And then all of a sudden. You have a client asking you, well, how come this is taking more time? And you're like, well, because three of my associates couldn't sign into their – into the the platform in the right way. Sure. Or, yeah. You know, so it's um, – I think the, the big e-signature on the briefs aren't working or what exactly. So yeah. the big thing is to just make sure that this stuff has been thought of and that you you know you have par- a party line when it comes to how this stuff is dealt with. Yeah, and there's been uh, tremendous activity
2: in this regard already. I just wanted to maybe walk us through sort of you're, you're talking about a little bit in the abstract about things that every firm is thinking about. There are some things that firms have already done, concrete actions they've taken that I think would be instructive uh, to talk about here. So among the many firms, this is by no means. An exhaustive list. But firms that have put some kind of travel restriction in place include um, Paul Weiss, Reed Smith, Akin Gump, Baker Botts. Some of that is, it's it's not just like an all-out travel ban or anything. They have done their own risk assessments and say, we're not traveling to China or Hong Kong or you know South Korea, mm-hmm. uh, other things like that. Probably the most dramatic single action we've seen is, um, uh, so far in the legal world is Latham and Watkins. They last week decided to cancel their big sort of global partnership summit that was supposed to take place in New York City yeah. this week. And there's like thousands of attorneys. Yeah. It's like a huge, huge thing for them. Um, and they they made this decision before there were even any of the confirmed cases in New York City that you talked about, Amber. This was just sort of a forward thinking. There's 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 too much commingling here. We have an office in Hong Kong those people, it's not prudent to bring those people over here. Right. Well,
1: all sorts of, you know, large groupings of international people have been called off, whether it's con- other conferences, whether, um, I know South by Southwest is now potentially going to be called off yes There's a big music festival, so yeah. um, a lot of that stuff.
2: Yeah, you also saw partners, uh, similar partnership meetings canceled by Oracle Harrington and Sutcliffe and also Norton Rose, Norton Rose Fulbright. Those are supposed to happen in Texas. Um, Baker and McKenzie uh, took the step of actually closing its London office entirely, um, over the weekend, after one of its employees was, uh, you know, thought to have the virus, or was 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 awaiting a sort of formal medical mm-hmm. opinion on yeah. that, uh, they op- they reopened the office earlier this week, um, you know, after the employee's test came back negative. But they it was it was risky enough that they they literally closed the entire there, L- London office down. There was yeah. another sorry. Go ahead. I
0: think there's, there's just going to be a lot of these cases of. Out of an abundance of caution, we're doing X, Y, or Z. Whether that be a closing, extra cleanings, um, canceling these kind of meetings.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a you know whatever whatever works kind of effort. I, I know in Kara's story, she she led with a really interesting anecdote about how the firm uh, at one of their um, China offices had staggered their hours so that their folks were riding the elevator at less frequented times. So really, sort of creative thinking about how to yeah. avoid. That's it.
0: really interesting because you don't think about how tight the quarters are in an elevator until yeah. <laughs> something like this happens. Yeah. But yeah. if they're telling people to say three to six feet away from everyone, yeah, you're going to have to stagger at times. It's
1: a very similar experience to, um, you know, I, I never noticed how crowded the New York City subway is until <laughs> sure. uh, until something like this strikes. Or the podcast studio, for that matter. Uh, <laughs> no,
2: um, but uh, some, I mean, some firms are in kind of even better positions to handle this than others. Kara, not, I mean, Kara did a great job. All well, This is why we keep talking about her stories. Um, She mentioned that Haynes and Boone um, a couple of years ago, it was like five years ago, um, they they have like what they termed like a disaster protocol in place Mm because they had a Mexico City office or or I don't know if it was Mexico City, but they have an office in Mexico that was hit hard by Hurricane Harvey. Mm. And so they established this entire infrastructure that like is built to sort of withstand an entire office going online and work gets shifted around. And they have that in plan in place. And so they're sort of. Eyeing using something like that if they need to for this, um, we've also seen as you hinted at at the top, Amber, the judiciary itself is also kind of taking proactive steps. I mean, there's the, obviously the very drastic uh, uh, step of, you know, suspending a whole trial sure. while one of the jurors has to, you know, get get that worked out. Um, but we also saw this week uh, Judge Rodney Gilstrap in Texas sort of issued a. There was nothing sort of specific that incited it, but he issued a standing order to the court telling counsel to say, "Hey, be like just be proactive and message each other about any potential delays that are relating to coronavirus, whether yeah. we have to delay depositions or any other kind of court proceeding. Let's like really be very transparent and clear about that so that we can handle that. You here. got
0: I will yeah. say about Gilstrap. It doesn't surprise me that that we um, heard this order from him for a couple reasons one for listeners that maybe haven't heard us talk about him before he's in the eastern district of texas and they handle a high volume of patent Patent, litigation he's known as like one of the judges he's like a king of the patent world um but because it's in a relatively remote location but yes. handles a large volume of cases lots and lots of attorneys fly in from other yeah, cities i mean yeah. yeah so it does that, it doesn't surprise me to hear that he thinks this might be a problem in his courtroom because if you have all these people traveling it could create issues it's
1: also as we, you know, as we think about the way that courts respond to this and that sort of idea of, you know, give people the heads up, it 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 is certainly an interesting thing to think about. Uh, you know, people perhaps using these this as an excuse or a um, a, a, a potential for gamesmanship that occurred that comes to me too. This.
2: I think we're maybe like a couple of weeks or months. Like <laughs> like like if this persists, that stuff's going to start to pop up, right? I think. Um, the other really interesting trend uh, that you've already seen pop up is that. Beyond sort of the beyond the steps that the firms are taking to safeguard their own, you know, four walls within, you know, with, within their own ranks, is that there's been interesting developments on the client service side. Kara um, again wrote about. A number of firms that have set up what they have called coronavirus task forces mm-hmm. within their own shops. And those include Wilmer Hale, Olson and Bird, Dentons, Baker Hostetler, several others. They call them task forces, but the way that they are basically described um, is that they are essentially coronavirus practice groups. They like they are pulling together, like so. I mean, obviously, clients are calling them with
0: any questions, number of legal yeah. questions so they relating have, to
2: coronavirus task forces. So they must have relating like, to coronavirus.
0: Uh, we are gonna need an employment. Specialist on this yes. task force, like so, they're just pulling people from different they're, practice groups. Right? They're,
2: they're pulling the sort of chairs and leaders of different practice groups, whether it's like international trade, yeah. employment, yeah. privacy, healthcare, sure. to sort of they they are, like I say, they're basically building new practice groups to handle like the novel ways in which these legal matters collide regarding
1: coronavirus. You know, it's a it's a fascinating analog to a couple of years ago. Um, uh, the way that firms dealt with uh, cannabis that, yeah, you know, that it's, right. it's you, you take a very novel problem and you present it to a company and there are any number of ways, any number of different practice areas that it hits on. And any individual one person, if they're operating in on their own, they don't know quite where to go. But if these problems are, are coming to a task force, yeah. if something like coronavirus is coming and people are saying, well, here's. Here are the facts, yeah. and you know what what needs to be done. Putting together a task force like that, comp- composed of all these different people, they can bounce things off each other. It's a it's a fascinating way to deal with it.
2: Yeah, you're seeing. So, I mean, you're basically seeing a lot of. I mean, like like we say, these are it's very highly organized uh, individuals sure. uh, who have a lot of skin in the game to make sure nothing goes completely off the rails. And you're seeing a lot of this uh, type of uh, type of preparation, both sort of like I say, both internally and for the clients as well.
0: Last year, it was a good year to be a lawyer. At the biggest law firms, the number of partner promotions went up, and associates saw bumps in pay. But things may be tougher this year. The coronavirus has many worried about a dip in legal business, and maybe even a recession on the horizon that could result in layoffs and smaller paychecks for attorneys. Here to talk about how the coronavirus could impact the business of law is Law360 Editor at Large, Natalie Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me back.
2: We are so glad to talk to you about this. It's obviously top of mind uh, in a lot of regards. I just want—I mean, I just wanted to say—you know—a lot of st- a lot of analysis of what's going on with the coronavirus right now breaks down into like basically two buckets, which is like the public health concerns and the long-term economic concerns. And we spent a lot of time on the show earlier today talking about the more pressing issues of the. It is a public health, you know, crisis, right? Uh, and all of that, but it's also something that has. Um, has major economic implications and therefore has implications for the legal industry, which uh, is right in our bailiwick. So we're glad that we can talk through that stuff with you,
0: yeah. And since we are talking about business here, one thing I want you to do for us, Natalie, is just tell us how were law firms doing before the coronavirus outbreak. I mean, I think we need to set some kind of baseline about what we're talking about if we're going to talk about potential business impacts after
3: yeah so 2019 was a very good year for lawyers and for law firms uh there's a company called firm prospects which i mean, they use ai to kind of like call uh, lateral movement and, and movement uh, within firms um, and they had given us some statistics and you know it showed that like there was a 20% increase in promotions to partner last year compared to 2018. So That's like, a big jump. That's a big jump it, you know it was the industry went from like 3,431 uh, partner promotions in 2018 to 4,113 in 2019 and, and when and that was like among basically like two, that over 2,000 firms. But even when you were just looking at the top 200 firms, it was still like a pretty comparable rate. Um, and also the associate job openings were, there were a lot more and they were staying open longer. And I was talking to recruiters and to consultants and, you know, everyone was basically saying that these, these this data, these statistics basically are just like, the result of a pretty kind of banner year for law firms yeah uh, they were doing so well economically they were really putting resources toward recruiting and to keeping you know key talent um, via the partner promotions uh, particularly um, so it was just you know it, it's and by many accounts um, that movement and that kind of good time rolling was still rolling into 2020
2: yeah. Um, I mean, like you say, it's a it's a boom time, you know, in a lot of ways. Do we have – is there any sort of quantification about the impact that the coronavirus outbreak and the disruptions that it's causing all around the globe, you know, how it will affect those trends? Will it reverse them? More to the point, how much longer will would this have to continue in order for it to sort of really – make make a wave in the industry.
3: So that second question, the length of time, yeah. how long it has to continue, that's going to be the key factor in all of this, yeah. uh, honestly.
2: Because it's been kind of a shock right now, and everybody's trying to get their bearings a little bit.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and in some ways, um, the kind of shock of it has... Um, let law firms to have to create new task forces, um, as our colleague Cara Bales was, uh, just, uh, writing about, you know, she, she's been talking to firms who are creating these task forces, getting all these practice group heads together to try and like deal with all these new client issues yeah. that companies are having because of the coronavirus.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was talking to someone yesterday, uh, I, I, report on trade law still, even when I'm not doing this job, um, and, I mean, he was basically saying, like, it's it's been pretty good for business in the short term. He was short like, term. it's a serious <laughs> thing, of course. And the people that I'm trying to help are under tremendous stress. Um, but, I mean, it's it's that seems like a, a short-term blip in terms of just requiring more legal assistance to deal with this. What well, we want to know, like, as, as we said, I mean, how long would this sort of – Economic strife have to last before the before the you know so the law firms start to feel it on their end. So
3: the general sense I'm getting from uh, a lot of experts is six months or more. Okay, you know they'd really law firms would really have to see client client work um, and a kind of a economic impact happen for at least six months, um, and they'd have to have the sense that they w- couldn't expect as much client work in mm-hmm. the next year as they had. Like, the previous year.
0: So, basically, it's all of this, um, it's the boogeyman of a recession that we're talking about essentially, that it would have to be six months of a downturn in the economy so that businesses wouldn't need as much legal service. Exactly. So, if we do see something like a recession come out of this outbreak, um, is that across the board bad? I mean, one thing that Alex was just saying would also potentially apply in the setting of a recession, bankruptcy lawyers always do well.
3: Yes. Bankruptcy, restructuring, you know, those kind of counter cycle kind of practice areas, they're definitely going to probably see some some boon times for them um, during a recession. Uh, for the more deals practices, real estate, M&A, private equity, if this is a, a recession, then they're going to get hit hard. And they've actually been kind of uh, spurring a lot of the, the movement up in terms of, you know, Business at law firms.
0: Yeah, so that might have an even deeper impact, it sounds like, because if they were spurring a lot of the business and suddenly they're some of the hardest hit practice groups, we'd see real trouble there.
3: Exactly. Now, I mean, if we get a really bad recession, the likes of the last one, you know, then it kind of uh, all deals, all bets are off, basically, and it's going to. Kind of hit across the industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, we actually—it was. It's, I think it's kind of fitting that our our end of the decade show a couple of months ago focused on like how the industry recovered from that historic recession. It's certainly way too soon to say that anything might reach that level. Way
3: too soon. Yes. But
2: this is, a, and that's that's a fair point. Um, but this is a, this is a very forward thinking industry that like tends to cover a lot of contingencies. Can you give us an idea of what some of the big shops um, are doing to brace themselves for a potential problem, even at this early stage?
3: So at this early stage, I'm not sure anyone's doing anything. I think okay. I think a lot of firms are kind of still wait and see. Um, that's like ex- that's at least what I'm hearing okay. from a lot of um, you know leaders and from consultants. Um, you know, if this continues, if this really does continue to have an economic dampening um, in the market, uh, you can expect to see probably a slowdown in recruiting. Uh, you can expect to see. You know probably less promotions uh mm-hmm. because even even though the partner promotions that we were talking about were mostly probably um to to non-equity partner positions you know that's still a non-equity partner position is still a lot of money yeah. for yeah. you know the bottom line and what about firms that i mean i
0: think in times of plenty firms don't have to take a hard look at how people are performing um, it seems like maybe now is the time when law firms may want to look and see if there are underperformers in their ranks.
3: Yeah, I had one recruiter tell me that, you know, in the last year or so, a lot of firms probably have kind of n- dragged their heels on having to make some hard decisions about underperforming attorneys. And, you know, if this this is the recession, if this is kind of a, a bit of a downturn, he he, he is... He is actively telling uh, leaders of law firms to take this as an opportunity to kind of make those hard decisions. What every recruiter and consultant, though, is kind of really highlighting is it's really still too early to tell. Like all of this is kind of like long term, you know, just gaming out Mm -hmm. the potential impact of the coronavirus. Um, For now, though, it's still a lot of wait and see.
0: Natalie stay on your new beat which is the coronavirus watch beat for us and um, we'll want to see how this unfolds um, across the board but especially as it impacts the legal
3: industry. Yes hopefully it won't be that bad of an impact uh, across the board but thanks again so much for having me on to talk about it. Thanks a lot Natalie.
0: Like it's been a really informative show this week, covering all the aspects of coronavirus that touch the legal industry. Thanks for being with me, Bill.
1: See you again next week, guys and Alex. Thanks.
0: We also want to thank our producers Kelly Marcano and Steven Trader, our graphic designer Chris Yates, our guest this week, Natalie Rodriguez and contributing reporters, including Kara Bayless, Jack Queen, Stort Bishop, and a whole host of other reporters that have written great stories about the coronavirus for Law360. If you want to find all of that reporting, and there is quite a bit of it, go to our webpage. It's law360.com. You'll see it prominently right there in the front, so you can find everything you need to know. Music for the show comes from Silent Partner. And if you like Pro Se, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find us. Thanks, and see you back here next week.